Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about how have your opinions changed after years of playing tabletop role-playing games? Hmm. Subtitle, as you've got old, how have your opinions changed about RPGs? So I've mentioned in the past, I've been start, I started playing in 1978 with D&D and been playing games ever since. And I thought Jolene was when she found this topic was a little bit off, I go, what are you talking about? My opinions haven't changed. But then she used some examples that the, some article had posted, and I'm like, yes, that has changed. <laughs> so things have changed as I got older. I think it's just natural, right? You mature, you get experience. And, I and your some, opinions change about stuff? And something like wisdom happens. I don't know when, but disposably happens. And so we do change. We do have difference of opinions than when we were younger. So the first one that I found was, are you less judgmental about other games that people play? Or, is that is that the way I say it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And I, at first I thought, well, I don't think so. But then I remember about Traveler. I think about Call of Cthulhu and Vampire. And those games that I, for one reason or another, I wouldn't touch when I was younger, right? I wasn't interested at all. You played Traveler when you were younger? I did only because it was the only game available and that GM really liked Traveler. He was just adamant about running it and we're like, okay, it's the only game in town. And he's not a bad GM, so... Because we're playing Traveler. And it wasn't a, like a long, long campaign. I think we played six months when we used to meet every other, other, other week. And it worked because the GM was really good and he knew the rules left and right. And I was kind of like along for the ride, right? I would just tell him what I need to do and he'd tell me what I need to roll. And I was it was super easy. But it wasn't the game you really wanted to play and you didn't think it was that great of a game i i didn't like you know he took the the world the universe where you want to call it in traveler as the base one right the, i know there's not a uh what do you would call a, a campaign or a world or universe that comes with traveler and because you got to buy all those supplements right there's not an, an implied universe you, you what, what you're saying own. is in traveler you have to choose the the amount of sophistication that's going on, such as like what what weapons you can have. Uh, yeah, it's called technology, techno, technological level of the. That's of it, technological level. And so I wasn't very happy with the, with the way it came across, and I came upon space opera a, uh, a short time later, and I really liked space opera because it was very much like like Star Wars, which was what I was after. And somehow I missed, I think I've told everybody, I missed the D6 Star Wars game somehow. I knew it was out there. I just never saw it at a game store, and I never bought it, which is amazing because I absolutely love Star Wars. And that's the experience I wanted. I found it in the space opera, and I was hooked with space opera because I thought it was a better representation of what I wanted. So you went for years and years without playing Traveler because space opera was the thing. Well, the, for me, yeah. For that particular genre, right? And and I didn't like I didn't like Traveler. I thought it was too simple. It was okay. Not... There's one thing about Traveler. Having played it, I'm going to tell you, it's not simple. Okay, you're right. I mean, you're right, but it is like 
I just didn't like it. I didn't like the way it worked. Right? They, they didn't have hit points. They, they would your hit points were your were your attributes, and you would subtract attributes. And then, like when you one of your attributes was to zero, you'd pass out or something like that, or two of them. I forget what it was. And I and I just didn't like that idea of becoming weaker as you get hit. And of course, that doesn't make sense now. So, what changed your opinion about it? That particular like, what changed your opinion about? not judging people for liking other different genres. The fact that you met people that like different genres. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't like I didn't like Call of Cthulhu. I mean, this is back when I was a little kid. Well, I was a teenager and I was going to my first cons with my brother and my friends. Maybe there was other Call of Cthulhu players, but there was these Call of Cthulhu that would dress up in suits and the girls and the women would dry, well there were girls probably would dress in these dresses and wear these funky hats they were playing dress up right and we thought that was so strange because you would never do something like that of course that. not never not dress up and play D&D come on we think we are weirdos so that was a very very judgmental thing to think right and then later on years later i mean i don't think i ever played I don't think I ever played a Call of Duty game for, I can't even imagine, 30 years probably, 40 years. And it turns out that Call of Duty is a good game, actually. <laughs> and the people that play it are not all weird. I mean, they're just uh, regular role players. That Not all of them dress up. I think it was neat that now that I look about it, think about it now as a, as a old man, I look back at my younger sense, I go, what a butthead I was saying that the Call of Call of game was not a good game because people dressed up to play it. At least that's how I saw it, and me and my friends saw it. And I was like, I mean, that that that's changed, right? So you're you've have, have expanded what you see. Yeah, and then Vampire the Masquerade, same thing, right? I always thought those people were kind of weird. You know, people who were kind of dressed in black, wore makeup, goth, kind of goth-like people. You are so judgmental sometimes. I was. And, but the thing is, I never saw those people in Salinas or in college or anything. I saw them. I think uh, Vampire the Masquerade came out. Weren't we already here in San Jose? It was like 91 or 94 or something. Oh, you're right. You're right. No, no. 91? We didn't come here until 95. 94. 94. There you go. So, you're right. I never saw them. That was what I envisioned. Envisioned, right? And they, and people talked about it, right? People who played vampire. I think that's because you saw Anne Rice's interview with a vampire. Yeah, I did see that, and I didn't. I didn't catch the two, right? I didn't catch that that game with that with that movie. I didn't associate those two. There was a, a series that came on television right after uh, what was the UFO one? You mean the X Files? The X Files, remember? No. When we saw the the movie about vampire, uh, or the documentary, they said that they aired a show right after the X Files. It lasted like not even a season, obviously. Okay. And we missed it because, like, we we well, we watched the X Files and turned off the TV. I guess that's what happened. <laughs> that's funny. That's kind of sad, actually. Anyway, so vampire I, at one point you know i, w- I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole and that's when i was older i was already in my 20s right and i'm like like nah that doesn't make sense why would i want to play evil characters and and i didn't understand the maybe they weren't evil maybe they were just misunderstood well, vampires are evil there's no doubt about it they feed off people live people mm-hmm. they have to to survive well, there you go so, so anyway i 
and I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the, the the attraction, and it attracted a lot of people in the nineties. I mean, it really was quite a big hit. And I was playing D and D. I was like, oh, I play D and D. I keep playing D and D or space opera or dark conspiracy, whatever I was playing. And yeah, that's the way it was. And then it wasn't until years later, me and my brother were at a convention. We played a game called Werewolf, and we're like, oh, these are normal people. They look excited about playing Werewolf. And stuff like that, but I I can see playing a werewolf. You know, you're like an echo terrorist because you're like really interested in nature and protecting it. And there's some something about the apocalypse coming, and you're trying to prevent that from happening. That was the big, huge underlying story. Though, though in the game that we played, it had nothing to do with that. It was just this. I don't remember, but it was interesting, and I had fun. So yes, my opinion about games and certain people who play those games has changed since I was younger. Okay. I'm not sure what to say about that. I find it interesting because I've always, you've ever since we've... Been together? Well, obviously not. Ever since we, I've been going to conventions with Augustine. Right. And you. <laughs> you don't see the stuff running down his face. Yeah. Um, it's tea. Ever since I've been going to conventions with you, you have always looked at the people that play, that dress up and play stuff as kind of cool. I mean, you, you've, you've looked at them and go, oh, that's kind of cool. I don't really, I, I don't think I could do that. Right. And I think that's what it was. It, it made me nervous because I didn't want to be associated with people that dressed up because they just. to the, doesn't make to any the people, sense. To the people outside not knowing anything about playing games go, what are they doing? Right. It's even more weird than just playing D&D. Like, for example, okay. example, you're, you're talking about how you've changed, right? Yes. It has changed since I was younger. I know. And now I think now I, I appreciate what they do. Right. I appreciate the, the time it takes to make a costume and stuff. And, and I'm still not sure I could do a, a LARP because I'm a little bit self-conscious about stuff. But you've done a LARP. Oh, yeah, I have. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I have changed. <laughs> okay, I'm going to move on because you're yes. making me weird. You're very okay. weird. Making you weird. So what is your, did you always think that when you were younger, did you think that a higher level, playing a higher level character was better than playing a lower level character? Absolutely. That was the goal. When I was playing D&D, and that was the goal. We try to get as high as levels we can before being killed, which is always a, problem in original D&D and AD&D. Things would kill you outright. So amassing a a, a huge amount of wealth and as much gold and treasure as we could find and carry and even beyond carrying because I think I've told you that at one point we had wagon loads of treasure. Wagon loads. Yes, yes, you've told me. Yes, And so the idea was to get as high level because that was where where it kept getting more and more fun. You became more powerful, and that was the goal. I find that interesting because you don't like to run high level characters. I do not. You I, you like I, to I stop running them around tenth level. Yes, the campaign. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Why is that? Because they're too hard to manage. Because there's so much things that they can do, and they're. Characters can, in D and D, anyway, they're so powerful that it's hard to bring monsters against them that are more powerful. Right, and you're talking like I've talked about it before. You're talking about a party of 
players who know the in and outs of their character, know the powers that they can level against a, a, an opponent. And me, I don't, as a GM, don't have that level of experience with that monster that they have with their own characters. So it's that, very difficult to combat that level of mastery of their abilities. I think that when people start out playing, that's what they want to do is get make a higher level character. But there's some games where you don't really make a higher level character. You just get more stuff, more technical stuff, yeah. or or you in Shadowrun you add more augments to yourself. Or well, you do get stronger, better. Yes, but not by leveling up. Really. No. By taking the... Very small increment. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think that kind of uh, slow progression is a little bit better and easier to deal with. And that's why I was so attracted to Space Opera, because there was no leveling up. You were just... You made your character, that was your character. I think I think the best character levels in D&D or other games is probably... The most exciting is when you're starting out, right? And I'm, I know a lot of people don't like to play first-level characters because they don't have a lot of power. But that's when you have to be... You have to inv- figure out how you're going to do stuff, right? you got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like playing low-level characters now. I think I like them when they're like between third and sixth level, right? Where they have some power, but not a lot, right? You know, exact, that's exactly what I have written down on my notes is that the best levels is between for me it would be between three and five and then six and eight those two areas there's like the struggling of first and second level that i kind of like if it's a low level campaign if it's a high level campaign and i'm on first and second level it's not so, so much fun but i do like that struggle to get better but three and five i think you're you're competent you're not going to go down. This is D&D, by the way. You're not going to go down right away. And there's some, you could really dish out a, a lot of punishment. And other games that there are no levels, like if you're playing Alien, you basically know that your your chances of survival are low, right? If you run into an alien. Yeah, that's true. But there is a campaign of, of called, uh, the you play a colonial marine mm-hmm. and it, or a, some sort of military uh group and then now they're coming out with the colonist campaign coming out just they just announced it i think and that's gonna be where you play colonists and so you don't have mini guns at a uh, armor personnel carriers and stuff like that you're just on your own surviving but like you said you know the chances of that i mean you got what one or two three hit points at the most and the monster does one at least at least so it's very and then i guess you could have armor so it's all about how you're gonna die, right? What are, what are your choices? What you up can until do before that point? you die? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What can we accomplish before we die? Who can we save? So I think, <coughs> as you play more games, you realize that different kinds of of games have different leveling up, or or if there is any kind of leveling up, and it's not always the highest level is the best to play, right? But that right. but that that takes a while to. That takes a few years to, I think, sink into people, right? Especially if you play D anD D, yes, like, or Pathfinder, yes. I want as much stuff and as much. I want to get up to this level because when I get to this level, I get this spell, or my fighter can 
multi-class or something like that, right? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think what is it, fifth level in D&D that you first get the third level spell? And that third level spell is either lightning bolt or fireball. <laughs> and those spells are tremendous, right? Yes. I mean, once you get to that level, you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. getting that third level spell is pretty pretty amazing for yeah. us, for a, a magic user. Yeah, I'm a real bit, bitch and cabron at that point, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I think... I think that was that has changed a lot, and that changed a long time ago. I, I think, let's say, the first ten years I was playing, since I was eleven to about twenty-one, that I that I was playing that mode, or I wanted to get higher level, and I wanted to be a powerful dude, or and do things that I wanted. But like I did, I, I like I said, I played space opera, and there's no levels in space opera. You just you're that level. But I don't think I ever played space opera very much. I ran it like all the time. Uh, I think most games there is some character advancement one way or another. Usually now it's very like, not I don't want to say piecemeal, but it's very small steps. You only get like a skill or something like that. And and, and every game is different, right? Because when, when, you, when you build a Shadowrun character, if you're a street samurai, you start off as a badass, right? Yes. Yeah. It's not something you have to work up to. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, you're pretty, you're pretty competent. Yeah, uh, I think all the characters are because it's because you're alive. It's pretty well balanced, <laughs> yeah. right? In that sense, the, the sorcerers or the what are they called sorcerers in Shadowrun? Mm, magic or magicians, they're called magicians. Whatever, they're pretty powerful to start off with. The hackers are really competent in hacking and all that stuff. So I think yeah, those those in those games. So like space opera, right? You start off, you're already competent or super competent, and then the, after that, you just gradations are getting even sl slightly better. Okay, so the next one that <coughs> I found was, um, what kind of game do you want to play? A lot of people want to play that um, intricate plot game, right? The, right? the the campaign where you're going after something, whatever it is, a jewel. Right. Saving somebody, whatever. Saving the world. Yes. Versus the, as you play more games, you might discover that playing a game where you just want to survive the day is might be just as exciting, right? Right. And I think you're right. There's, there is this idea that the, a great campaign is this intricate web of stories and and ties to stories and threads and all these things that you have to uncover and unravel and it leads you to this big conclusion and i i actually haven't played one of those games in years i haven't played a full campaign of anything in a long time though we've tried it we you know me and my friends my brother we play online we've tried doing that but you know usually it just falls apart for one reason or another and though I still want to run a big, long campaign, I don't think it needs to be this big old huge, well, I don't know what it, not huge, but this long, intricate story that that involves all these things happening. And us trying to figure things out, saving the world or something like that. I really don't mind now the, the shorter campaign, the, the maybe uh, a nice, uh, longer adventure that you don't need to get into this big long intricate story you 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 get a case of finding a, a missing person or what happened to this person in this mystery game and you solve it and boom you're done you know you don't have to just, you know like uh, what is it uh, call cthulhu 
There's the Mass of Nakalakatep, uh, which was written by Larry Dutilio. And and it's this long campaign, world-spanning. You go from one place to another. Though I would love to play in that that kind of adventure. Or that I, don't, I don't think you'd make it very far. Uh, <laughs> it's. I think it's easier and just uh, I'm more satisfied with being able to finish a game and adventure. And, and wow, that was a good game. Let's go on to well, it. in Call of Cthulhu, it's finishing and not being insane, right? <laughs> well, I think people have finished that campaign. I don't know if they anybody's finished it with their original character, but I think various uh, <laughs> styles of GMing probably uh, Dep- make it yeah. make it so you can finish that game with your original character, maybe. So, what the people were talking about for this point was not not necessarily those intricate games, but like. Just playing a game. the The story that I read was about someone who started playing vampire. Vampire is a masquerade. Okay, that's it. They these people were talking about how how cool their characters were. They were hundreds of years old, <laughs> and they've been in a campaign for a long time. And when he started playing, he started playing with one other person and a GM, and that person got knocked out in the first city that they got to. And he was supposed to be. He was the one who knew where all the safe houses were, and so. This guy spent the entire first um, session. session just trying to find somewhere safe to sleep. And he said it was kind of exciting because you didn't know what was going to happen, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's interesting because, and that's a very small group, right? I don't know, I don't know how big vampire groups are, but I always envisioned them to be rather large, like four or five, six players, right? And and this this was like a two player version of that mm-hmm. of Vasquez, and I think those kind of games I played in a in a game. Uh, oh, I ran a game, I should say. It was space opera, and I ran it at Kublicon. It was on a Sunday night, which is not a great night to run a game, especially space opera that nobody knows. And it was one of the not the last times, but it was one of the toward the end of when I stopped running the space opera I, at conventions. I put my game on, and only two people showed up. It was uh, Felipe and this other guy. And so they're like... Are we going to play? Uh, yeah. The, one guy, I think his, I forget his name. Sort of the Z. Anyway. He goes, I'm willing to play. I'm like, okay, uh, sure. And Felipe's like, yeah, I'm always willing to play. <laughs> yeah. And it was, a, it was an amazing... I My recollection of that game was it's probably... It was, I, one, I was really surprised at how much fun it was. And they were surprised at how well they were able to get things done because they were. Ba- it was basically an investigative game. They're trying to figure out uh, who was up to doing something, right? They, I, for, you know, I forgot what the plot was. But as they, unra- as they unraveled all these clues, and there was only two of them, so there wasn't a lot of muscle they could come up with, but they were they could, in, you know, because they were kind of like cops, right? Right. If they needed muscle, they could just call in, but if they called in, like the 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 squad or whatever you want to call it, the reinforcements or backup as a cop would, and there was nothing there. Their superior would not be happy, right? Right. Just wasting resources. Right. right. For a for a con game, it was sort of convoluted, but it was really interesting how they were able to work the case because there was only two of them. So so not only does it not have well that one, you said it was intricate, but not only does it not have to be an intricate plot, but you don't have to have as many people as you think you do for a campaign or just to play. Well, I'm I'm intricate like like this idea this long campaign where I understand what you that's meant. Not, I mean intricate is a bad word maybe or a, not the quite the word I should use. Uh, 
But yeah, I think you can have intricate and kind of confusing storyline in a short session and and still have a lot of fun. Uh, I was thinking like the long term, that kind of intricate kind of thing where like this idea that you come across and you're talking about a, a huge plot. Yes. 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 Intricate plot. Yes. But I was surprised. I was surprised that they and they had a lot of fun and they're like, "Hey, this is a great game." I go, "Hey, thanks to this guy called Z. I don't know his last <clears throat> name, first name, but it was fun." So yes, uh, I I don't mind playing shorter games that aren't so convoluted. And convoluted is not not a demeaning word. It's just so complex. Okay. So then the next one that I found was, um, "Don't waste your time with." with bad groups of players or bad GMs. I thought that was interesting because I think a lot of people as they're, as they, when they start playing, the people they start playing with are the people they play with for a long time. Right. Usually I think. And good, bad or ugly. Those are the, you just get used to those people. Like if you play as a teenager, you don't know that there's other ways to play. Right. Cause these are the, when you when you first start out, this is the way, you think everybody plays. So if somebody doesn't show up or somebody's always late or the GM isn't really your cup of tea, you just deal with you it. You just do deal with it and move on, right? And this person is saying that after you've played games for a long time, you realize that there's all kinds of different GMs, all kinds of different players, and if you get into a situation where where you're playing with people and you're like, "Okay, I don't like this. Just move on and play with other people," right? <laughs> yeah, I think you are right. I think as as I've gotten older, I'm gonna be fifty something next week. Is it this week? This week at the end of this week. Anyway, oh my God, you are correct. It's like you're getting old. You don't have your whole life ahead of you. You have maybe twenty years if you're lucky or whatever. And you're like, I don't got time for that crap. I don't got time to waste on a bad game or a bad group of players. And now, and there's no reason to, right? Now, I mean, in, when you were young, you probably couldn't drive, right? Uh, there wasn't a lot of, well, when I was young, how's that? When, you know, in the, in the 70s and 80s, if you didn't have a car and weren't able to drive, how far could you actually get on your bike? Uh it wasn't as well known, and if it was well known, it was known as a really nerdy, weird ass thing to do, and didn't want to be associated with that game. If you were wanted to date or do anything cool, I don't know what you're talking about. My brother wanted to play, and we played in his friend's basement. That's he made me go with him. Exactly, that's what I'm talking. His basement. <laughs> How come we didn't play in the kitchen table? I'm just saying that's huh? that's what happens. <laughs> anyway, so. So for me, there's actually no excuse to stay in a bad game. I mean, role-playing, D&D especially, but all role-playing has become super popular because of D&D becoming so popular, right? Uh, the pandemic uh, made D&D even more of a thing to do because you could do that with your family or your roommates and play games, and it would be fun because there's nowhere to go for two years or whatever. And the popularity is just, and then there's Critical Role, which is super popular, right? They've got millions of people that watch them all the time. And 
and people know about stuff. People know about D and D. Look, there was a D and D movie that was actually pretty good. We got some good actors to do it. So it's not like people don't know that D and D exists out there. Though I guess there's a few out there that do. There still is, which is amazing. But for one thing, D and D is a lot more popular. Role playing is a lot more popular. There's more game stores. You can play online. There's absolutely no reason to stay in a group that you just doesn't gel with you for whatever reason. And that's true. I mean, when you're when you were like 12 and uh, Salinas, California, you were stuck with your brother and your friends. But you had fun with those guys. Luckily, uh, you're right. I and but the, the weird thing is is that when people talk about how they played when they were younger, I was like, "Man, I didn't play like that." Like I was listening to Happy Jackson. They were, they've been playing for almost as long as I have. Uh, just maybe a couple of years less, and they were really into role playing, right? This mm. uh, not R O L E role playing than us throwing dice to try to kill the monsters type stuff. And they were into their characters and character development and character motivation, but they were also into theatrical arts, right? They were the, him and his friends were into theater, so those people are inclined to. What's my motivation for this acting kind of gig, right? And me and my friends were not into that. The only thing that I re- regret, not regret, but the, the, I kind of missed is that idea that that because I was so tied with my group and stayed with my group, there wasn't a lot of exposure to other ideas, except when we started going to conventions. And even then, it was kind of resistant to, to play in that kind of style, have a you know, talk in a, in a voice and, and only talking character kind of thing. And now I really appreciate that kind of work. The groups that you've played with, other than trying to schedule people times, which is just life, right? You try to get people schedules. You've never really experienced groups where there were big problems, right? No, no. I, I never played in a group where I didn't like people or I didn't like the way it was. the group was working or what, or however you want and to a lot, And a lot of people do, uh, well, at least I've read, because... I've I've never really been in a game where I didn't know the people and wasn't comfortable, right? right? But a lot of people have comfort issues and stuff and don't want to play with certain people or they or they have bad experiences and they're and so that's why this one is there. Yes. Don't don't waste your time with groups that are make you uncomfortable or you have a hard yeah. time dealing with. Yeah. Or there's difficult people, you don't know these people and and you're just like, okay, I can't handle this. I'm just right. There yeah. are other places, other groups to play with. Right. Is what I think is the the main thing here. And I agree. I mean, uh, luckily for for me, the the people I played with, and I still play with them. I still play yeah. with Mike and my brother. Forty years later, we're still playing. The funny thing is, is is like what twenty twenty something years ago, Mike and I had this conversation about books. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. he always felt that if you start a book, you should finish it. Yeah. And I'm of the, if you get halfway through the book and realize that the book sucks and you don't want to know what happens, just put it down and move on. There's enough books out there that you don't have to, there's no obligation to finish reading a bad book, in my opinion. And Mike is, Mike still has a hard time with that, I think. I do too. I've read, I've read one book. I mean, not one book, but there was this one book where I was just, it was like, it was just tough for me to get through it. Like, and I, I, I think I told you to put it down. Yes, you did. Five <laughs> times, maybe more. And I'm like, man, I really want to like this author, but it was like, 
I don't understand what's going on. Like sometimes, like it w- it didn't make sense to me, right? I forget. I don't know. One name dropped the name. So but, I, I use that analogy because I think that that shows is it works with if you don't group. like the group yeah. that you're playing with, you can just walk away. You can be very kind about it. Yes. Because most most likely. You, most likely it's not the group you've been playing with since you were 15. It's right. a, it's a group that you just met or you're playing at a, a game store or, you know, my schedule's changed. Sorry. I can't play anymore. Yeah. I think the the problem I had with that, that idea with books is I want to know what happens. Right. <laughs> I want to know what happens at the end of the book or toward the end or, or with the character. And that happened with that book that I, that I really had a tough time reading. And I got to the end because it was a, like a really highly rated book. Yeah. At the bookstores, yeah. you, know, they, you know how they put the little tag on it saying, oh, I love this book because of this and this. Like, oh, really cool. It's a science fiction book. I really like science fiction. And and I'm like, I'm never going to read and then And I finished it. I'm like, I don't know. I just had to like, <laughs> it was like a nothing burger, right? I was just like, what was the big deal? And I don't understand what's going on half of the time. And then I saw there was another. She made up another. She wrote another book. I'm like, I was actually tempted to buy that book and say maybe she's gotten better. But I didn't buy that book thanks to you. And I picked up this other author, another science fiction author, and I've been reading that. I read the first book, and I think it was really cool. And so I bought the second book. And actually, I bought the first book twice because I forgot I had actually bought it. (laughs) Remember that one, that one, that one? It was funny because I... Anyway. Yeah. So so that analogy is, that analogy is the way that I look at most yes. things, right? And I still remember, and Mike Mike still said, tells me, you know, you, it's hard not to finish a book even if it's I agree. bad. I agree. And me, I'm like, well, I read so many books that yes. if, if, if it's not worth my time to finish reading it, then... Well, that's even, my opinion. It's right? even worse for me because I read less, very oh, like uh, much little books. I don't know Fewer. Yes, I read very little compared to you, and so my reading is more valuable to me than than it is to you. And you're like, I'm chucking that book. I don't care if I can finish it in three days. Where it takes me a month to read a book. I think I'm trying to get to where you're at, but like I said, it. But what I do is I want I really make sure I want to read this book. So I read the the inside cover, what it's about. Then I read like maybe half the first chapter, and if unless it grabs me, I'm not gonna. Yeah, you know what? You're right. It's, I've got a good feeling about this. I'm gonna put it down. So there you go. You you have convinced me to do that. And so I'm, that that's how you should look at at groups that you're groups. playing with, right? Because I mean, you get stuck in a campaign, and then what are you gonna do? Ghost them or come up with some excuse? Lie? Say, oh, uh, my schedule's changed. I now have to work, you know, in the middle of the night, and all this stuff. Who knows what? But I think, yeah, you could just say, you know what? Uh, this is not my t- cup of tea. It's not my. And it could be the group, it could be the players, it could be the campaign style, the GM style. It could be a lot of things. But if you're not having fun, move so, on. So that brings us to the last topic that I found. Try new things. Because when you first start playing, you yes. usually get stuck in playing. Like If you start with D&D, that's the best game in the world, right? It is. And this goes back to the, the being less judgmental question yeah, at the, the very beginning. right? You, get, you, you, you think that the game that you're playing is it. And you don't really see the need to play other things. But as you have played for a long time, you realize that D&D is not the only game out there. 
and there's all kinds of other games. And once you try them, you're like, oh, this is pretty cool. I would have to say that for me, if you look at all my bookshelves, that is not a problem. <laughs> but you are correct that a lot of people are like that. What is there's other games other than D and D, right? Well, it's not just D and D. Some people, it's vampire, right? Or right. It's or Call of really Cthulhu, like. or whatever is whatever they started with. Because it's like when we go to conventions and these guys go, "Oh, we're playing the same game we've been playing since 1978, and we're we're we don't need to play anything else." <laughs> You're like, "Do you want to try this?" No. Yeah, that yeah, and that's weird because it's weird to me, right? But I understand they know what they like. They're why take a chance on something they might not like? And I'm saying, well, why not take a chance on something you might like, or might like more, or it just be different? I've never had that problem. You know, I bought Space Opera right away when it came out in 1980, 1980, 1981. That was a long time ago. Uh, and I loved it. Me, my actually, me, and my brother went in on it, and I used some money that I had saved up, and he used most of he bought most of it, I guess. And it was a complete science fiction game. So we read it, we read it, we tried to understand it, we tried to make characters, and it was very difficult, but we. Soldier through, much more difficult than in Traveler, by the way. We won't talk about Traveler <laughs> making characters because all of mine die or I come up with sucky characters. Yeah, that, yeah. That doesn't usually happen in Space Opera because you, you, you come out making super competent characters. And after that, I think I begged my sister to buy me Gamma World and then I bought Top Secret. So there was always a new game that I wanted to try and, and play. I bought Champions uh, early on when it was just a single little book with two superhero characters punching each other. I remember when I was a teenager and my mom bought us Gamma World because my brother wanted it right. for Christmas. And we had been playing D&D with the, the pastor's son was running the in game. In the basement? No, we were in the, the, <laughs> at the kitchen table. And I remember him going, I found this new game and it was top secret. And that was really cool because it was a, a new, uh, totally different kind of game than D&D, right? And oh, so yeah. is Gamma World. So yeah. so I think that the more curious you are when you start playing games, like if there's the people around you or you see new games and you want to try them, that changes your perspective that than if your, ga- your group only plays a certain game. Yeah, I think there's some people who still play like, a, not original D&D, but like a D&D or something yeah. edition. And I'm like, well, I mean, because and that, and I think that's fine for them, but it's not if if you don't expand and play other games, then you don't know if there's other things that you might right, like that you might really enjoy. Actually, that is the key, right? There's other things that you might really like, and take a break from your from your D and D game or your I can't think of it, your traveler game that you've been playing forever, or your uh, vampire masquerade game, oh, vampire or masquerade. your Call of Cthulhu game, right? And try something different that you know you might actually enjoy. And I think there's so many games out there, there's so many genres that there's bound to be something else. You I think like. one of the biggest things and one of the biggest hurdles to that is that every time you get a new system, you got to read the rules and figure it out. Learning the system yeah. and learning a new system is hard. And I always thought. Well, I never had to really read the rules and figure it out because you did it, Felipe did it, somebody right. else did it, right? And then I just had to learn the rules for my character because I wasn't really running the game. But since we've been playing with people who like 
different GMs that want to run new games and different games, or you get a new system. And Saul is notorious for, I got the system, let's play it. And then everybody's like, okay. And then... Most people go, oh, <laughs> what now, Saul? And then the GMs are like, or the, the people that you're playing with go, oh, that's cool. Let's see how this system works. And then they start reading everything about how the system works. Right. And then when you're playing with people who all want to read the rules and learn how the system works, it makes it a lot more interesting than you having to do it by yourself. I agree. You, you play the Stanford group, right? Yes. They're all GMs, except right. for maybe me and Cowie are. Hasn't Cowie been. would GM, I it, but she's, she's never GM'd, yeah. right? And I've GM'd, but, and I do, I still do, but it's a lot different for people that like to really read the rules and learn every single detail about how stuff works, right? Versus, yeah. you know, oh, we've been playing this game. I think I can GM it. Yes. Uh, same thing with board games, right? Mm -hmm. we, we have a big problem. We don't have a problem. We don't like learning the rules by reading the rules. Yeah, we like to watch videos right. of people telling us uh, what the rules uh, are, and works. then we can read the rules and figure it out as we go. Right. So I have the same problem in with role-playing games. Sometimes I don't read very carefully, and I tend to gloss over some certain things. And the only game that I really, really had to learn to run was probably the last game was The One Ring. Well, and Tales from the Loop, but that's really simple. But uh, the one ring where it's a little bit more complicated game, I was reading the rules, and I really had a hard time understanding how the game was played, like the res the resolution mechanic. And there was uh, lots of things to take to learn to be able to run the game. Once you learned it, then they changed the they changed editions and publishers, right? Yes. So I really was... Uh, finally, very happy with the fact that we had played the One Ring in a longer campaign style. Like we played several mm -hmm. sessions, several adventures between me and Bay, and it was working really good. And then they did change to second edition. I was like, and I was just not not too long ago. It's funny that you mentioned it. Is like this last week I was looking at the One Ring. I was like, I really should look at the One Ring rules to see how different it is, and it's. It is substantially different than the original set of rules. And I thought, man, I should read the rules more often. <laughs> I should read these rules more often because it was like, like people say, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty much the same. I go, yeah, it is kind of the same, but not pretty much the same. There's, a, there's enough differences in that game that you can't just roll with the idea of what first edition is and think second edition is going to be a lot like it. One is they changed publishers, so they're going to change a lot more things than they probably would have if they had stayed with the same publisher, Cubicle 7. But but I think that just like anything else sometimes, I think the changes they made are pretty cool, uh, makes it easier to run the game, makes it easier for the player to understand mm -hmm. how to run it, how to play your character. So in that sense, it's pretty neat. But I still like first edition. It's pretty neat. So that was about the set of rules that I actually had to learn to run. And even then, I got some things wrong. I couldn't figure things out. And then, of course, the the, the way the book is written is kind of like, it's not all in one spot, and that's that's the, the rules in the first edition. But, yeah, I mean, I learned Liminal. Uh, Liminal was real easy, simply because it's an easy system. And the person who wrote it, uh, Paul Mitchell, I, I got to mention his name, because he does a really good job of explaining the rules in a concise and very easy to understand way. And there's a lot of books out there that are not like that. I mean, role-playing book games. So that 
is one of the impediments of trying to do new games or different games. Right. It's always good to play with someone who's already read the rules and knows what they are, right? So that involves a new group of people play, playing with a new group of people, right, right. maybe. Unless all your friends really like to read the rules and figure it out. Right. There's some people that just absolutely love to dig into those to those rules and figure stuff out. And I think that's the hardest part for some people to change what they're playing because they already know the rules. Yes. And it takes a long time to right. to figure out the new I rules. I got all these books already. You know, I have these 10 books that I bought. They cost me $500. <laughs> and now you're asking me to move to another edition, which I've done a few times. So, yeah, I think, uh, like now, I, I don't remember how to play ad and No clue. I remember. I know how to. You'd pick it up really easy. <laughs> You'd remember right away. So I was going to add another one, but I think we're running out of time. Uh, I think. Uh, the idea of of getting older, wiser hopefully, has made me a better player, a better a better player. I'm, I'm more. You're less judgmental. Yes, I'm more. Uh, what is it? Um, more open. Open to playing new games. I'm more open to to playing different types of games. I I will run. I'll play, and uh, if overall, I think my. Can't think of the word. He's confused. <laughs> Overall, my attitude toward role playing games has changed in in a positive way. I think before, like you said, I was more judgmental. I didn't want to play certain games. I didn't want to play with certain types of people because they they wear costumes when they play. You know, now I don't. Sure, yeah, freak it on. Because then those people are really into the game, so I look at it differently. Yeah, you you you've evolved and yes. seen. The differences and the better, different qualities in playing with different right, people. Right, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Good luck. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.